Welcome to Dragon Talk for this Woohoo! Oops, sorry. Yeah! 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 Gotta get that in there. Gotta let the studio audience do their thing. I don't know, but my microphones are so good, you might not even hear that clapping. Uh, <laughs> this is the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. How's it going? I'm Greg Tito. I'm Shelly Mazanoble. And we are here to entertain you. Yes. As well as to tell you all of the fun things that are going on with Dungeons & Dragons during these times in which you may be wanting to jump in and start playing. Right? You might need a little distraction. A little, just something to do. Some company of friends. Yeah, and we've been hearing from all over the country and the world of people who are uh, playing online through the wonders of video conferencing, which we are now doing also uh, here. Uh, and it's been it's been great. Um, I am inspired to learn all about that. What about you? Are Shelley? you going to try that out? I'm going to try. Yeah, I've been reluctant just because it's been um, honestly just been a, a, a tough time for as it is for many people. Um, but uh, it is going to be a solace, uh, I think, for for the weeks and months to come. I think so too. Yeah, I yeah. I would be. Um, yeah, I think I would have to start kind of simple, like maybe just doing like something through Zoom or Teams or something, and just more bare bones. But I would definitely be interested yeah. in trying it out. Theater of the mind is yeah. where it's at, uh, even though there are lots of tools out there, such as Roll20, uh, Fantasy Grounds, uh, D&D Beyond has got a lot of uh, use during this time as well. So uh, th- those are available, um, but I also just love the idea of just you know rolling actual dice on a camera and yep. doing it that way and just describing what you're seeing um, and c- getting creative with how you're conveying information. You know, yes. uh, I think it could be all be done uh, just with a simple uh, a video conference call. So um, I would love to hear more. I think I put this out during D&D News uh, earlier this week. But if anybody's got any, um, you know, tips or tricks or anything like there, share them online. Uh, a lot of people have. We've been co- uh, collating a lot of stuff on a article on DungeonsAndDragons.com. So that's a great landing page for people to uh, jump into. Uh, one quick way to go to it, and I'll just say it out loud so that people can do it, although there are, you know, a Google tool can get this for you pretty easily, uh, but it is at dnd.wizards.com slash remote. Um, and there are tons of tips and tricks within there as well as links to finding out more uh, and uh, from our partners and from our um, media articles that have been uh, posting about this too because uh, rightly so, a lot of editors out there have been like, hey, I think there's going to be a lot of people who want to get into D&D during this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a, an ever-changing list too. We keep, things do get added as we find out more. But So I, I'm always curious to hear about how people are taking their uh, in-person games online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just... I think that's, I, I love, like you said, the, all of the, of the tools that are available, and I love to hear that people are taking advantage of them, and they're not stopping playing. They're, they're, gonna, they're keeping it going, because it's important for us to do that right now. For sure, for sure. Um, speaking of keeping playing uh, and going forward, uh, we are going to be talking to Brandon Cutler today yes. for our interview. He is a professional wrestler uh, for all elite wrestling. Uh, many folks might have, uh, in the D&D community, might have first heard about him uh, during an interaction on Twitter between his opponent on an upcoming match. Uh, uh, 
disparaging his D&D fandom. Uh, How dare and, he? and many people came to the defense of Brandon, and uh, he has been more vocal about his love of Dungeons & Dragons, I think, since then. Uh, so we can't wait to... Uh, talk all about that. Uh, you know, maybe we won't go into super detail on that specific incident, but then about what's what's uh, been uh, his journey for Dungeons and Dragons for all things going forward. So, um, as well as trying to figure out how to wrestle during these times. <laughs> uh, well, he can get some tips from Quinn, my son, who I told you can fold Nelson himself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that should be. I can't wait to figure out, like, how can we do video conferencing wrestling uh, tips? <laughs> That'll be awesome. Maybe, maybe he'll figure out a way to model a uh, wrestling ring uh, similar to uh, the show that we had uh, partnered with Hyper RPG on creating, of which Brandon was yes. a guest, uh, uh, too. So we'll, we'll find out about that uh, and how much fun it was to work with KG Tang and the crew uh, down at uh, Hyper RPG and putting that all together. So. A lot of great stuff coming in that interview. Uh, And uh, before we get to that, though, I wanted to talk about some things that are coming up for Dungeons & Dragons. We announced Mystic Odysseys of Theros as the next upcoming source book. Um, It is a deep dive into the plane of Theros from the Magic the Gathering multiverse. And it is... If you don't know anything about Theros, it is a uh, inspired by classical myths uh, and Greek myths. Uh, doesn't have any kind of direct one to ones of like Zeus is in this game or or Ares <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, but there are you know uh, themes and um, deities inspired by Greek myth uh, throughout it, and it is a nice way to. Um, introduce some classical elements into your D&D game. I think a lot of us kind of focus on that like medieval fantasy type of ideal with like castles and knights and things like that. And this has a little bit more of like what it's like to have, you know, hoplites and phalanxes and, you know, uh, you know, column temples with ionic columns and things like that. And it is a, uh, a wonderful introduction to adding that type of gaming to your uh, to your to your homebrew stuff, or just full on doing something set in Theros. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be pretty cool. I love Greek mythology, so I am very excited about. I this do one. too. Yeah, um, it's it's always uh, a window into this type of storytelling. Honestly, like you know, I think Fiona said it before, where she uh, told me that the first superheroes were g- Greek gods. And I was oh, like, hmm, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Wow, yeah. where did she come up than, with that? Yeah, I, 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 she just, must have heard it from uh, me. Maybe, <laughs> oh, maybe she's she's repeating something I said a long time ago. Uh, or one of her teachers, uh, or uh, yeah, yeah, who knows? She does watch a lot of videos uh, and educational stuff during this time, so maybe she heard it from like Khan Academy or something like that. So. It is true. It's very, it's very awesome. And so uh, that book is uh, scheduled to come out on June 2nd. It will have two covers, uh, an alternate cover uh, that can be purchased through game stores. And we want to say to everyone out there to support your local game store during this time as much as you can. Yes. Uh, one way that D&D does that is through these, these alternate covers. Um, but you can do that on a much more local level by... You know, if you can, purchasing through their store page uh, if they're not physically open uh, during the um, uh, uh, stay-in-order places that a lot of states in the in the United States have, as well as countries around the world. Um, but a lot of these physical stores are hurting right now, and so anything that you can do uh, to provide some uh, 
support for them. Uh, we yeah. encourage that 100,000%. I'm going to yes. say that. You can do, like I said, pre-ordering through them. I don't know um, what it's like in everybody's neighborhood, but I know a lot of the local shops in our neighborhood, Greg, that they are mm-hmm. physically closed, but they are doing online ordering and even will be doing, they even do free delivery in their in your neighborhood. Oh, that's great. So I just purchased a couple of little things from one of our junction shops. And like the next nice. day it arrived on my porch in this beautiful little bag with a bow. And it was just, it was like a delightful little secret admirer treat, except I'm my own secret admirer. <laughs> that's super we, cool. We should all be in our, in this time. Treat yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Buy local. Help each other out. I love that. Um, hopefully much more folks are getting into Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Uh, that book is available now uh, digitally as well as uh, through online stores and purchasing if you can swing that. Uh, it is 304 pages of awesome detailing everything that has happened, uh, or not everything that's happened, but you know, playing within the world of the second campaign from Critical Role. Uh, it has been wonderful seeing folks post their uh, impressions as well as stories about that book yeah. and I want to make sure that more folks are, are getting it uh, and delving into it. I think people are having a lot of time to read 304 pages of an awesome yeah. setting book. So uh, And play play it. Yeah. But people have been loving that book. I saw, I just see like social media posts about it. Somebody had said it's like a master class in world building. Mm. So even if like just, if you're just interested in that perspective just the story and and just the world this is a great book for you to dive into yeah and i i love that it is collaborative world building still right like so uh we talked about this when we had uh matt on the show uh as well as in talking with chris perkins on some of this stuff but like you know matt was inspired by some of the world building around D &D and fourth edition but then made it his own and so it's become this thing of of additive world building uh, through collaboration as well as being able to work with uh, freelancers that they have to to put it all together. So fascinating and amazing stuff. Yeah. Pick it up if you can. Uh, Dungeon Mayhem is out there too, and I can't recommend that game enough for oh this God. time, right? If I need to figure out how to do that game virtually. Oh, yeah. I think uh, let's let's do that right now. Let's Me and you, we'll play it. We'll We'll just throw the save. I'll just tell you what I'm, what card I'm playing. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the way to do it, right? I yes, because I would love. There's a lot of people that want to play, and I want to play with them, but we haven't quite gotten to that yet. But we play it a lot in our house. Um, yesterday, Quinn warmed my little heart, and he said, "Mommy, I want to play Dungeon Mayhem." Aww. And I was like, "Of course we can." And then he immediately said, "And I want to kick your ass." <laughs> and that his, also uh, warmed my heart like, like game oh, on that's my let's son. go that's my son and you know what he did kick my ass mm. makes sense yeah uh did he do uh, uh a full nelson on you uh, no he's he knows better who's like, his monster of choice who does he always uh go to well he we actually play Madness. he plays um oriax from the base game the that's his that's his, his favorite uh, main he loves pickpocket and he loves clever disguise. Sweet. Yep. All right. Well, you heard it here first. That is overpowered. 
But I, <laughs> yeah, right. But I was playing. Uh, I, I yesterday I played Delilah Deathray. I played Blorp a couple times, and Blorp. I played Mim- Mimi Lachey's. I haven't played the mimic as often, and mm-hmm. it's actually a lot of fun. Sweet. I almost won playing her. Oh, almost. So yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, with Delilah Deathray, one of her uh, her special powers is that you have to compliment her or take damage. Uh, and it's kind of up to you to determine if are you playing, are the players complimenting the beholder or the player? So when I told Bart and Quinn they had to compliment me, they were like, Ugh, we might oh. just take the damage. <laughs> <laughs> And then Quinn goes, all right, fine. Uh, I like your face. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I don't know if he was talking about Delilah or he was talking about me, but I let that one slide. We'll go. We'll go. That was you. I think I think he might like your face. I like your face. I like your face. Yep. That sounds very, very Quinn like. I love that. Yeah. Very much so. Good deal, uh, but I think I think yeah, we got to start uh, having some video conferences of playing uh, Dungeon Mayhem together. I, I know. Think, I think we can make it happen. Yep, we'll get we'll get the whole the whole family in on it. Sweet, and then yeah, I think we just hold up the the card. The only thing is, you don't really you won't have the display necessarily of what uh, everybody's life is, but maybe we can just make sure. We'll just have to be that. honest. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, there is another game coming out. Is there? Is there? Is it coming out? What's it happening? It Ruh-roh. is. row. We've got Betrayal at Mystery Manchon. The Hall. Scooby-Doo. And Betrayal at House on the Hill. Finally. Had a together. baby. At last. They uh, did have a baby, and it's called Betrayal at Mystery Mansion, and it's due May 15th. I thought it was called Scrappy-Doo. How dare you? <laughs> Scrappy's not in this game. And he will never be in this game. He's not in it. Yeah, good. Uh, but if you like Scooby-Doo, if you like fun board games, if you like Betrayal at House on the Hill, there's a lot that you're going to love in this game. Uh, it's scaled for um, younger players, too, eight and up, mm. um, but still has a ton of fun for experienced players. And it's got 25 new haunts, and those haunts are based on classic Scooby-Doo episodes. Yeah. There will be so much that you did not know you remembered about Scooby-Doo until you play this game and you're like, I totally remember this episode. I remember remember the cereal I was eating. I remember the PJs I had on. I remember everything. Takes you right back. You still have those PJs. Yeah, I'm wearing them right now. (laughs) Right now. Am I wearing the PJ, my footy PJs from, uh, <laughs> from 1982? I actually put on real pants today because it's Dragon Talk Day. I'm wearing jeans. Know. I only wear jeans once a, basically once a week now. I've been wearing the same jeans for Still. this entire uh, <laughs> quarantine. Is, do you only have one pair? I mean, one good pair. The rest of them are like knock around uh, work pants. But are you wearing, you're not wearing your knock arounds, you're wearing your good ones? Yeah. Okay, whatever self care, man. Whatever makes you feel good. It does. They're like my work pants now. It's like as soon as I put them on, I'm like, all right, I'm in work mode. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's actually a good idea because I'm finding it hard to like end, like have like a clear, definitive end of my day when my office is my home. Right. But I guess if I'd like changed my pants (laughs) into like my comfies, then it would signify like 
work is over. Yeah. That's, that's a good that idea. That also and uh, uh, the truly that I consume when the, when the work day is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking today might be a white claw day. It's we a white claw day. got some blue sky and sunshine out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Still, still in coffee mode right now, but I am very excited about uh, the end of the day. It is Friday, after all. It is definitely. Oh, mm-hmm. the Trulies. Mm-hmm. Very good and good for you. Only you know what ten calories in them or something like that. Is that true? I don't know. Hundred? I don't know. Well, it's a low number of calories, I guess. Yeah. Volume so uh, that's all awesome. Uh, again, we want to point everyone to the um, ability to play online D&D out there. Uh, our article on our website has got a lot of uh, stuff out there, but we're always looking to add more. So if you've got any tips and or tricks to add, feel free to message me on the Twitter. Uh, spread the word about Dragon Talk as much as you can during this time. I think uh, we've heard from a lot of fans that you know just having us talking together Shelly uh, in a somewhat normal way uh, yeah. feels feels good um, it, and hopefully it's nice can, to get in the chat too yeah exactly talk um, to each other there uh, so yeah spread the word we're on Spotify we're on Apple Podcasts all those things we don't necessarily tout ourselves as much as we should uh, in that regard so I'm doing it now right yes follow us do some reviews uh, get the word out about Dragon Talk our friend Claudio is in the chat um, hi, Claudio. Claudio. Hello. And also, he just said, there is no morning and evening. It's CT and BT. Do you know what those stand for? What does CT and BT stand for? Coffee time and booze time. <laughs> I think th- I totally agree. Time is completely irrelevant now. We, we are we are cresting that, those waves at all times. Uh, yep. what's, what's happening? I support that. Uh, and uh, I think everyone should too, as well as the idea of work pants. I love that. <laughs> like but I think you fit. should probably wash those pants. I probably should. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. I mean, unless this is like some kind of form of protest about <laughs> the pandemic in general. And you're like, I'm not going to wash my pants until I'm allowed to go out again. Well, the joke's on you. Because right. <laughs> we just got another week added on to our time at home. Is that like a um, uh, superstition thing like baseball players? Like, I can't, oh, I can't wash yeah. my socks because I got a home run. Or they won't shave. Or they won't, exactly. During playoffs, yeah. 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 Or they do shave uh, their heads well, or something like that. Maybe, I, maybe I'll do that during this pandemic. And then in a couple head? of Dragon Talks, I'm going to look like you. No one's going to tell us apart. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. Let's do that. I bet there, we could also play around with some video uh, filters and stuff uh, that I think will really mess oh, with people's yeah. minds. So, we like, might have to because – not getting to like get your hair cut, colored. Not getting to your eyebrow waxer. I mean, like this yeah. is getting bad over here. My my hair is getting quite long. I think I've always wanted to have an excuse to grow it out again. So maybe maybe now is the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we should ask Brandon Cutler about all of these things, including uh, any superstitions he has uh, for cutting his, his hair. Yeah, I don't uh, know. About or lack that. thereof. Uh, yep. As well as about his Tiamat costume that he's been using I, in his promo image. Uh, no. Which is fan- fantastically cool. And his dice pants. Yes. Uh, before that, we are going to get to our advice, uh, sage advice segment with uh, Jeremy Crawford. So let's go ahead and jump to that now. Sagey. 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 
Hello and welcome to another segment of Sage Advice. I am Greg Tito and I'm joined by Mr. Jeremy Crawford. Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you, continuing our little mini-series on uh, things within the player's handbook that folks may have overlooked. Uh, maybe there was a very important part when you started with 5th edition, but you've kind of forgotten it over time. Uh, and so this has been a uh, uh, thing we did uh, a couple of weeks ago. We're going to pick it back up uh, with, I think, page 14 or 15 of the player's handbook. Is that right, Jeremy? That's right. When we left off, we were on page 14. And as I was getting ready for us to continue our journey through the player's handbook, I realized there is a rule for us to talk about on the very next page. Excellent. Uh, so this is always fascinating. And let's get right to it, shall we? So everyone, if you're going to follow along with us, <laughs> we're on page 15 of the player's handbook. And the rule that sometimes people don't know about that is lurking on this page. And one of the themes of this series is going to be rules either that people often forget or maybe never even saw in the first place. So this rule is in uh, the section on page 15 called Beyond First Level. Mm -hmm. Here's where we explain for you what happens when you level up. Now, many people know, of course, if you know you... You just gained a new level in your class. You go to the advancement table there, and that table will explain to you what new features you get. Your proficiency bonus might increase. Uh, your class also tells you your hit points go up. So sometimes people will just rely on that class table, that handy reference for what happens when they level up, combined with the little section in their class that tells them, also, increase your hit points. And they might not actually read this section mm. that points out that if, while leveling up, your constitution modifier goes up, that increase in your constitution modifier is retroactive. This is which can result, if you don't follow this rule, result in your character having fewer hit points than they should have. And no one should have a it, character with fewer hit points than they should have. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to be super brittle, and I know, I know that that actually can be fun for some people. You know, the character who is like forever living on the edge, or if they have, if maybe they played first edition and they're dreaming of the wizard, you know, who will be slain by a slight breeze uh, <laughs> or a stiff then, drink might just put them over right. the edge. <laughs> yes, just they will, they will just waste clean away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so uh, what this rule is getting at is, you know, first off, when you level up, you always get more hit points. You roll the hit die associated with your class and you add your constitution modifier every single time you level up. Although some people also don't realize you don't have to roll the hit die if you don't want. You could also take the average for that die and we give you that average in your class's description. But let's say you hit a level where you got the ability score improvement feature and you increased your constitution enough so that your constitution modifier went up by plus one. Mm. So what you would then do is not only add your new constitution modifier to the hit die you just rolled for your new level, but you would add that plus one to 
every one of your previous levels. Uh, and so that's what I mean, that it's retroactive. So if, you know, at fourth level, your constitution went up, your modifier went up by one, well, you would not only benefit from it there at fourth level, but you would actually get three extra hit points from adding that plus one to first, second, and third level. And that so. is really important because uh, it happens all the time. I mean, sometimes if you have like a 15 or a, a 13 or an odd-numbered constitution modifier, uh, and at fourth level, as you said, you get those ability score increases um, – that, that bumps up all the time, and it's especially important. I mean, you can sometimes get, uh, you know, a swing of ten to fifteen hit points when gaining a level uh, because of that. And when you're the meat shield of a, of a party, that is a big difference. I mean, that's that's talking about you know a, a hit or two in a round uh, that you could survive longer. Exactly, and I even when playing a uh, more fragile character often like to, especially at higher levels, increase my constitution uh, so that uh, my character actually has a chance to contribute in more dangerous battles. I know sometimes people are are really drawn to creating, you know, sort of a classic glass cannon, uh, but you know, you're, you're not going to be dealing any damage if you're dead. And so, <laughs> which is a principle I, I follow not only when making my own D&D characters, but even when I'm making characters in other games, uh, you know, like when in some MMOs I've played, even when I'm playing a spellcaster, I try to make them as resilient as possible. Because right. again, I'm not, not going to be healing anyone or dealing any damage if I'm bleeding out on the floor unconscious. I feel like you're full of uh, uh, bumper sticker statements already and during this segment <laughs> that <laughs> people should live by. You're not going to deal yes. any damage if you're dead. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the, the bottom line is even if you're a, a glass cannon type, you consider increasing that in, that constitution, especially at high level, be, and then because of this retroactive rule, you'll get this windfall of extra hit points. Yeah. Uh, since, like, if you do this, you know, post tenth level, just think like extra ten. You hit know, your hit points will just suddenly jump uh, at that point. Yeah, that's important. Now, is that also uh, true for um, multi-classing? Does that affect that at all? So, uh, yes, yeah. Because it, it is retroactive for all of your levels, essentially for your levels as a character. Uh, Got so, it. Uh, so yeah, you get to benefit uh, from this rule whether you are uh, a multi-class character or a single-class character. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Good to know. And I have pulled that out in a session or two while leveling up and surprised uh, the, the group with that knowledge. So it is, it is true. It is not always what widely known. All right, you ready for our journey to continue? Yes. All right. I am going to uh, skip most of chapters two and three. Chapter two is all about the game's uh, main playable race options. Chapter three is about the game's classes. I'm skipping over these because they have mostly rules that are specific to those races and classes, and we're going to focus here on... Uh, rules that apply to pretty much everybody. That said, I do want to pause for a moment on page 17. This is the first page of the races chapter where we give you a brief overview of 
the types of racial traits that each race gets in the game. And one of those traits is sort of teetering on the line between story and rules, and that's the alignment trait. And I mm. wanted to, to pause here because sometimes I will get asked, you know, must uh, my dwarf or my elf conform to the race, I mean, I'm sorry, the alignment note in the racial trait. And I wanted to bring people's attention to the fact that here in this overview for alignment, we make it very clear it is your choice as the player what the alignment is of your character. The, the alignment suggestions that are given in each race are just that, suggestions. They're you know, your hands are not tied uh, as a player. And also what you should take from this is not every member of one of these species is the same. Uh, and, you know, in the sort of fantasy tales, there are certain uh, tendencies that have been typical in Dungeons and Dragons. But at the end of the day, you as the player choose. And also that means more broadly speaking, the dungeon master also chooses when it comes to those broader cultures. So I just wanted to to point that out, that we say right up front, you choose and you can, you know, go with the suggestion or you can just turn your back on it and say, no, thanks. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. And there's, there's so much precedence in, um, fantasy characters bucking those tropes, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I think that's a very important thing, but in order to have those trope bucking tropes, you almost need to have this baseline. And that's what these suggestions are meant to, 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 to point out that like, okay, yes, in general, dwarves are this way or elves are this way or half orcs are this way, but that gives the option for them to have, um, you know, your more individual character story come to life. Exactly. And then even when you've made your choice, your choice has very little game mechanical weight for your character. It's really crucial for people to remember that your character's alignment is describing that character. It is not prescribing how they are supposed to behave. I say this because sometimes Uh, whether in person or in a streamed game, you might hear somebody say, your character can't do that because your alignment is X. Or a lawful good character would never do that. The thing is, each character can do whatever they want. Their alignment is simply describing the general drift of them as a person when it comes to their moral and ethical compass. It is not a set of restraints. Uh, a person who's normally lawful good might act chaotic someday. You know, they're not a robot. They're not a, they are not a manifestation of a particular alignment the way some of our otherworldly creatures in D&D are. Like if we've, in contrast, we're talking about certain angels, for instance, in the game, many of them are literally goodness and lawfulness embodied Uh, Similarly, you know, devils are lawfulness and evilness incarnate. The mortals who we play in D&D are not alignments incarnated. They are people who are completely free to make their own choices. And the alignment is really uh, no more heavy for your character in terms of uh, rules weight than, say, 
your personality traits that you choose in your background. Alignment is just one more way to describe at a high level who is your character. Um, mm. But in, and even more precisely, who was your character the day you made that character? Uh, because over time, uh, in asking yourself, who is my fighter today? Or, you know, how has my bard evolved? You might discover that your personality traits have changed. And over time, your character's alignment might even change. That suddenly, as you describe your behavior, you'll think, hmm, one of these other alignments is actually a more accurate label now for who my character has become. Just as well as you would go, you know, think about your 13-year-old self and how (laughs) your ideals and your alignment may have been very different from your 40-year-old self. Um, You know, there there could be similarities. They could be the exact same. But in most uh, ways, you have changed and evolved and your D&D characters are no different. Now, they might have a, you know... a, a constrained timeline uh, of, of a campaign, but, you know, it is, it, is, it is important to think that alignment is mutable. Yes, absolutely. And descriptive rather than yeah. prescriptive. Right. Yeah, because, there, I mean, in previous editions, there used to be lots of things that would be like, oh, a, a, uh, a paladin must be of this kind, or a monk, if you change your alignment, then you lose your monk powers, and there's nothing like that in 5th edition, correct? Right, right. And even some of our spells that are... Uh, on the on the tin, when you sort of like you read the name, uh, like dispel evil and good, many of those spells we carried forward their traditional names, but they typically refer not to alignment but to creature types, uh, and, and specifically to those types of creatures that are alignments incarnate, celestials, you know, fiends, that sort of thing. Undead, uh, yeah, yeah, as opposed to people. Uh, whereas, yeah, earlier editions of the game, your alignment could actually be very weighty for you in the game mechanics. Uh, there were even the alignment languages. You know, people who haven't played uh, first edition don't realize that one of the languages you would write on your character was "I speak lawful good," and it it, it was <laughs> it was often described back then as you know not necessarily like a language, but you know, sort of a set of of like jargon and and whatnot that you could use to identify somebody who had a similar outlook on life. Uh, but again, I thought even back then as a kid, when I would w- write that on my character sheet, I was just like, what the heck does this mean? Yeah. A lawful good language. What would that sound like? I don't even know. Uh, yeah. I don't Cla- know. Maybe classical music. You know, and- <laughs> Angels singing. Uh, I don't know. You, yeah. you converse in him. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that, yeah that, that would get old really fast <laughs> <laughs> to have an entire D session devolve into uh, go tell it on the mountain or whatever yeah like uh, i would of, like it the first few times but then i'd be like whoo we need to change this up for sure it's like it's like that person who picked their character voice to be uh it's gonna sound like kermit and then you can do that the entire session and you're like oh gosh you're gonna hurt mm-hmm. yourself but you can't do that yeah yeah all right, what's, uh, what's another uh, aspect uh, from or rule from the player's handbook that folks may have skipped over? All right, so I, we are going to jump over the class chapter, even though it is a 
game rule extravaganza, uh, but it is, again, a set of exceptional rules that apply to not only the individual classes, but the individual subclasses. And we've covered those on on various sage advices too, like Wild Shape and things like that. So this is much more about going into the the general. So uh, we're going to head into chapter four, which is all about... uh, establishing your character's personality and background, which connects to what we were just talking about, alignment. Now, one thing that's here that some people sometimes miss, it's not a rule so much as a tool, and that is if you want to roll up your character's height and weight, we've given you a way to do that based on the species you chose for your character. So if you're ever stumped making your character and you're like, how much would a dragonborn weigh? We've got a table for you. And and that and your height and weight uh, can inform each other in this little table that we created. This table is also thankfully free of the error we have in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, where we have a similar table. I don't know if you know about this, where because of uh, in, in this little... Uh, this little equation for figuring out your character's weight, we put the parentheses in the wrong place. And so like a a centaur character, it could be, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. (laughs) It's actually, it is already going to be corrected in future printings. But I was, I was actually hesitant to fix it partly because it was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, I mean, we played a couple of, of sessions with a centaur as a character uh, that was in a dungeon and trying to go up ladders and whatnot, and and so we have uh, we have devised that uh, that you know there's there's thousands of pounds. I mean, a horse is a huge a huge creature when you really think about it. That actually tracks right like but, but not as heavy as that table sets up because the oh. table is the table is like you know d- go up to the tallest building in water deep and drop this centaur off and see how <laughs> deep into under mountain it drills <laughs> given its weight <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh boy so the right here in the same chapter uh, after a further discussion of alignment, languages, etc., there is a bit I'd like to pause on about backgrounds. Now, backgrounds are a fabulous way for people to establish who was my character before I became an adventurer, mm-hmm. and you know that that is a great way to really zero in on you know what were the circumstances of my life as I was growing up? Uh, who, who might've been important to me? Because like, if you pick soldier, well, immediately you can imagine probably members of uh, a troop I was a part of, maybe my commanding officer I'm very close to, or maybe they are, uh, an adversary of mine. Uh, backgrounds are a really rich way to flesh out who your character is. But in the process of getting to the backgrounds in the book, you know, deciding, do I want my character to have been an acolyte or a sage or a folk hero? It's really easy to miss that right before the individual backgrounds, there is a section that introduces backgrounds and introduces several very crucial rules related to how you're building your character. So the first one is, And I'll be curious, by the way, if you know all of these. So let me know. Uh, 
actually not only for these, but for anything else in this series, I'm just sort of almost like a, I have this academic curiosity. If I manage to come up with one where you're like, I, I didn't even know that. Um, so one of them, and I know some, some people watching and listening, uh, are aware of this rule, but I mm-hmm. think some people aren't. And that is when you're making your character, if you have two different things, say your racial traits, for example, and your background that give you the same proficiency, for instance, maybe they both give you proficiency in perception, you get to pick a different proficiency to, to take so that essentially you don't miss out on a skill proficiency. Oh, uh, so, I did not know that. Um, hey, look, we yeah. found one. I, I yeah. would I would always have assumed that they just you just pick one or that that um they just overlap each other so you don't get another choice but you just you can put anything in there are there any caveats to that at all none other than that it has to be the same type of proficiency meaning if it was a tool if you have sort of duplicate tool proficiencies the tool proficiency you then pick has to I mean the proficiency you pick has to be a tool proficiency oh I see. Similarly, if you have duplicate skill proficiencies, uh, when you pick a replacement for one of them, it has to be a skill proficiency rather than a tool proficiency. Makes sense. But beyond that, it can be anything you want. So if, if your race and your background both give you proficiency in perception, you still get proficiency in perception, and then you get a second skill proficiency, which can be any skill of your choice. Mm. And so again, I think I think uh, there are probably many people like you who don't realize they might actually be owed a proficiency or two yeah. uh, because of this rule. Now, the, the key is this rule only applies at first level when you're oh. picking your background. So later on, if you end up with duplicate proficiencies, it works the way you thought it works, which is essentially they they just sort of combine together um, or rather, you know, basically one, one of them gets canceled out uh, because uh, you, you can get proficiency in something only once. Right. Well, how does that interact with backgrounds uh, and... Uh, class proficiency list where it's like choose two out of these five. How, how does that interact uh, with what so, the rule that you just said? Uh, so in that case, you, you would essentially uh, end up with the same number of, of skills. Because for instance, uh, let's say you have a background that just gives you proficiency and perception. And then maybe you're trying to game it and you see, oh, my my class lets me pick two proficiencies, gives me five options, and one of those is perception. I'm going to pick perception because of this other rule uh, that will let me now get another proficiency in its place. Well, you were going to get another proficiency in its place anyway. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess the, the difference there is that you get to choose from any of them. Right, so if you're yes, uh-huh. if you're saying I'm going to choose perception, but then I can choose from any yeah. skill, then that is a benefit yes. to a. You, to you a could actually ga- game it that way, because uh, as the way we worded it is, if a character would gain the same proficiency from two different sources, they can choose a different proficiency of the same kind, skill or tool, instead. Now, hmm. we're okay with you gaming that that way. And again, to make sure to everyone listening, 
you're not actually gaining an extra proficiency in this case. Uh, you very astutely, Greg, are seeing what you're gaining is more flexibility. It's allowing you basically to break yeah. out of your class's uh, skill list. We're okay with that because of another rule that is on the same page about backgrounds. And that is on this page where we have a section called customizing a background, we explain to you that you can actually build your background however you want. Every background mm. in the game is really just an implementation of this customizing a background rule on page 125 of the player's handbook. Part of that rule is we reveal to you when you're building your own background, you can choose any two skill proficiencies you want. And, right. and the reason why we're okay with that is which skill proficiencies you have access to as a character, particularly at character creation, is much more a story thing than it is a game balance thing. Uh, and we right. really, we, we sort of, you know, if this, if this were a card game, we tip our hand on this in this rule where we basically tell you, if you want to build your own background, pick any two skill proficiencies you want. Now, we, we are hoping that the two you pick will have some kind of cool connection to your character's story, but that's really all we're aiming at here. The reason why the fighter has the list of skills available to them in their class is not because we're balancing the game around your skill proficiency list. It's no, we pick the ones that help define what fighters are like. Similarly, you know, when you yeah. get to the wizard, the proficiencies there are the ones that we expect a wizard would have access to because of their bookish lifestyle. You know, that's why they don't have athletics, because they spend all their days in the library. I identify with this statement. <laughs> but I, exactly. But then you could also come up with a. I mean, I've done. I think I've made this character that was a fighter mage that had, uh, um, you know, some training as a soldier and was basically like a battle mage, yeah. right? And so I wanted to have the skills available to the. No, I think I chose a fighter first because I wanted uh, uh, the bump in, mm -hmm. in hit points in that yeah. first level. And then uh, was all the rest of the classes after that were wizard for that reason was because I had those those access uh, early on. But it sounds like what you're saying is, is as long as there's a story reason or or you know you work with your DM to come up with something that makes sense to the both of you, as long as that is is, is there, then the rule is satisfied. absolutely. Because the much more important thing for us rules wise is the number of proficiencies you have, not actually what they yeah. are, uh, because. It is actually the number of proficiencies you have that is a, a strong differentiator. Rogues, for instance, part of what yeah, part of what makes them special is they are able to apply their proficiency bonus to more roles, to more different types of roles than members of most other classes. That's what's you know when when we're really boiling down to the game mechanics, that's what's crucial to us when it comes to class identity. What's sort of attached? To those proficiencies, it's that's really about story. That's really about who is your character. And again, we have yeah. codified that right here in the customizing a background rule. And so people shouldn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something naughty. Uh, if I'm doing this, <laughs> I'm breaking the game. Jeremy's going to be mad <laughs> yeah, at me. No. 
<laughs> He's going to wag his finger at me. I, I will wag my finger only if you're really being naughty. <laughs> which, is, you know. which is almost never about rules. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good point, right. Uh, I, I love that too. I didn't realize also that the Player's Handbook had rules for creating your own backgrounds, uh, yeah. which is which is a really handy thing that I think more people should, should I mean, there's a lot of wealth of, of, of published backgrounds out there, but I think I'd love to see a lot more folks jump into that kind of design space for their individual characters. Absolutely. Uh, to uh, really ponder what were the particulars of my character's past and then craft a background that matches it. Because our original vision for backgrounds was exactly that, that we actually thought many players would want to make their own. And then we provided a bunch that were essentially examples of what you could do rather than the other way around of thinking of, I must pick one of these pre-built ones. And if my DM lets me, I maybe will customize one. And it was, I mean, because we actually present you how to make your own before we even show you the example backgrounds. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, and that's something this is, you know, in our last episode, I talked about, you know, sometimes I think about, well, if I were doing it differently today, one of the things I would do here is really accentuate more. You get to choose this. This is your character's story and still have all these great background options, but really highlight the fact these are examples. If they work for you, cool run with it because they're here for your convenience. But if you're really excited to make your own, awesome, do it. Uh, you know, th- this is your story. I like that. I mean, I, I've definitely enjoyed the fact that multiple books that we put out have provided more backgrounds that are mm-hmm. uh, as examples than what is in the player's handbook. But there's also been a few moments where I've been like, man, none of these really fit my conception of this character right now. Um, and I think armed now with this knowledge, I, I would I feel a lot more liberated and excited to jump into designing my own background uh, with my Dungeon Master. So, uh, cool. Makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Fabulous. Well, I think we uh, have talked a lot, uh, as we are wont to do, uh, you and I, Jeremy. Uh, I think we're at a, f- a half hour here. So, uh, did you, was there one more thing you wanted to get in before we jump perhaps to another no, because we the next one has us jumping into the equipment rules. And uh-huh. I'm not sure we're going to be able to get through Chapter uh, 5 of the Player's Handbook in one episode. So we should probably save that for next time. Let's do it. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Jeremy. As always, how can people get in touch with you uh, about more specific rules questions or you know, just to, just to chat about what background they are? Uh, I, you can reach me at Jeremy E. Crawford. And please do tell me what your background is and make some backgrounds, people. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I think folks have definitely uh, published things on the Dungeon Masters Guild, a lot of backgrounds uh, for uh, the, the campaigns and storylines that we've been producing out there. But yeah, it's definitely a, a fertile design space that more people can get into. So I can't wait. Well, thank you for that uh, and for all, all the sage advice that you've given us over the, over the years, Jeremy. Um, I think that's it. We're going to get out of here. I am at Greg Tito. I don't have any backgrounds to, to share, uh, but maybe I'll be <laughs> designing some in my spare time uh, over the next few weeks because uh, I, I am inspired. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed 
talking to Jeremy Crawford. I'm so glad he took the time uh, to do that. Everybody's got a very busy schedule right now, but he just offers so many great nuggets of sage advice. I agree. He is the sage. He is the sage. Do you want to hear a little something? I'm going to tell you anyway. Tell me a little something. You know how we have a free table at work? Yes. It's just a table in all of the various kitchens on the various floors that people just put stuff that's meant to be free. Yeah. Sometimes you find a nugget there. Sometimes you don't. But I found one of those little um, garden things that uh, it said sage on it. Like you're meant to put it in your garden to signify like, here's where my sage grows. And then oh, I'm right. sure like there a was like a rosemary. Like and a reg- your, yeah, your herb garden. Yeah, it was just like a, the word sage on a little spike. And I found it for him and I gave it to him. I was like, oh, look what I found for you. And like he seemed to like really like it. And I have seen it like on his desk, like propped up. Like in on one of his Aww. shelves, and I'm like, that's really, I'm really proud. I'm just <laughs> proud that I, I gave him something that he wanted to keep. That is pretty cool, and that yeah. you, uh, you know, you you took the time to take it from one table and move it fifty <laughs> feet. I gave it. I gave it a second life. <laughs> it's true, uh, and uh, he he is a very uh, sage person. Uh, he might even be growing sage right now. Maybe. Um, Maybe he's going to be, we're all going to be living off the land here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> we all should be. And anyway, uh, excellent. Well, uh, we are now going to plant some seeds with this interview. Uh, oh. I, that was, I was trying for a segue there. I don't think I've, I quite succeeded in my segue role. Uh, but let's talk to uh, Brandon Cutler right now. Does that yes. sound like a plan? Yes. All right. So excited. I'm very excited. Let's call him up. Let's welcome Brandon Cutler to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Hey, Greg. Hey, Shelly. We are very well, glad to have you. <laughs> this is very Thanks, exciting. Uh, I'm excited to be here. This is uh, really great for a lot of uh, folks in the D&D community because they may have only really found out recently about your, your D&D fandom. Uh, but h- how long have you uh, been... Rolling the dice and playing D anD. d I want to say about four years now oh. is when I, I stumbled upon it. I, I stumbled upon like I'm sure a lot of people nowadays have. Uh, I stumbled on Critical Role, and that kind of hooked me. And then that's where I started buying all the books, and then like branching out and trying to find people to play with and whatnot. So, nice. did you have any interest in D anD D before? Like, like what got you into even Critical Role? Uh, that was watching that show Tabletop with Will Wheaton oh. on Geek and Sundry and uh, just blowing through every, like, tabletop game that there was. Uh, and then it kept, my, my YouTube just kept uh, recommending me this Critical Role series. And I was like, you can't watch four-hour, like, episodes of something else. I don't even know what that is. And after I went through every tabletop game that that show had, I was like, all right, I got nothing else now. Like, I got to check it out. And so I just had it on in the background while I was just doing other things and, you know, just kept hearing them laugh as they're playing this game and kept wondering, like, what, what is this? Like, are they role playing? But, like, do they afterwards, do they go outside and, like, LARP what their characters did or something? Or, like, <laughs> what, what goes on with this game? I'm like, I've also heard of Dungeons and Dragons, but I still don't understand the grasp of it. And then just watching hours and hours and hours of it. You know, you, you you just get it, and you just get it hooked, and you like. Oh, I want to play now. I want to buy the monster manual and see what what they're fighting, and see what it says in the book, like that the characters don't know or something. 
<laughs> wow, that's, that's awesome. amazing. So you've yeah. always had like kind of an interest in gaming in general, I guess, if you were watching yeah. tabletop. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of all, all's been from video games, board games, just kind of that's my whole like childhood growing up has been just gaming. So, which has maybe prepared you for uh, our our current situation, in which uh, many of us are just home right yeah. now playing games. <laughs> yep, yep. That's uh, me and the wife have both put about seventy and eighty hours on Animal Crossing already. Oh. It's been out like a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that game was very fortuitously timed for its release. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely was. That's awesome. I was say, you, you put seventy hours so in in one day. Already too, I was like, man, if this if it wasn't like quarantine times right now, would I have been able to see as much of this game as I can? <laughs> I don't. I, I would think not. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of folks are going to know you from uh, your role in uh, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, yeah. And then, how long have you been doing that? Like, has that always been a dream of yours going into to this uh, type of uh, you know entertainment? Yeah, to, to be a wrestler, that was always my dream as a kid is to become a wrestler for like the WWE and thing. That was like uh, growing up, that was the main goal was like, you know, playing video games. I was always playing No Mercy and uh, then any physical activity was like wrestling kind of a thing. Uh, and so as early as I can remember, I'd be watching wrestling and like that was when going to college I was always like, well, what do you want to be? And I'm like. I got no other answers. I'm like, you know, I'd love to be a wrestler. So, you know, trying to take college courses with that in mind is always weird. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'll just try to go for other normal jobs. But because, you know, there's no clear cut way of like, how do we become a wrestler? You take this class and get these credits and like, yeah, there's nothing. Right. And so, like, you know, I kind of stumbled through real life for a while while still trying to handle like, OK, maybe I'll be a, a wrestler on the independent scene. Maybe that's where you get picked up or something. And uh, and then All Elite Wrestling came around uh, at the beginning of last year. Uh, and that was just with my friends, Matt and Nick, the Young Bucks, that they kind of put all that together uh, and so graciously kind of incorporated me into it as well. So like that's that was a, a thing that hasn't even it could have never been a dream because it just developed last year. So it's kind of almost I say it's it's beyond a dream where it's like. No, you're not going to go into WWE. Your friends are going to create a wrestling company, and then you're going to get into that wrestling company with them. <laughs> so it was kind of that of like, oh, well, it's this weird twist of life that you know you could have never dreamed up. Yeah, well, and people say you know there's always that uh, opportunity is going to come no matter what, and so you always want to be prepared for for when it does drop. And it sounds like you had all of the right things in place just for that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it really is that it's uh, that that saying, like you're saying, of uh, always be prepared because then if you're not prepared, the opportunity will just pass you by. Uh, yeah, so if I wasn't wrestling at that time, because I, I got back into wrestling in, in 2018, uh, I took a little break again, just like stumbling through life and trying to just get married and have kids and like, OK, I guess the wrestling might never happen, I guess, you know, but I'd, I'd like to have a family, though, not give that up too. So that was the, some of those years I quit wrestling uh, and then just tried to focus on having a family and everything. And then when I got back into wrestling, funny enough, the next year after I get back into wrestling is when this whole thing kind of blows up and, you know, we're on TNT now. <laughs> that is amazing because it hasn't even been that long that it's actually been in yeah. existence. So you met yeah. you you met my son before we went live, uh, Quinn. He He wants to be a wrestler. That he has always that's, gravitated that's towards um, 
he's just he's always been very physical, but so are lots of little boys. But then I, yeah. he also is, um, he's very acrobatic. Like he, we were saying, he yes. taught himself how to do front flips and back flips, and now he's moved into like handstands, but like handstands off my husband's shoulders, and like t- like nice. he loves to do like any kind of tumbling <laughs> thing, and he's also very loves to perform. So I'm like. Yes, like I, he's he, fit for it already. He is. Like, like, so <laughs> I really don't know because, like you said, like you can't just take a, a class and call, like major in wrestling. But so yeah. what? What do you do? Like what? What was your path? And like when you're saying like I got back into wrestling and out, like what does it mean to get back into it? Yeah. So what normally happens is there is wrestling schools around, and like especially back when I started in like 2004, like it's all word of mouth. Like you can't just Google wrestling schools near me or something it was you just hear word of mouth or you you, you catch wind of it or something or back it like then a it fight was fight club like secret like underground well, well, like back then, <laughs> back then it was now i'm sure you could google like you know wrestling schools near me or something or, or mo- most major uh, uh, states will have a pretty reputable one uh, at this point now uh, and that would be the equivalent of like going to like a vocational school of like oh I want to learn how to weld it'd be oh yeah like I want to learn how to be a wrestler you could like look up wrestling schools now like now it's much easier than it was in 2004 <laughs> and so how I did actually do it is the young bucks my friends they went to a wrestling school uh, and we were all so young at the time I was about like 12 or 13 when they started going and so they're not going to accept that young of kids in a wrestling school uh, like most won't and, and so after their trainings and they would show all of us like all like uh, my older brother and the young bucks oldest brother matt would both come back and show us like the younger kids everything they learned and so we would kind of learn secondhand from them uh, and so we were kind of ready to go by the time we were of age like when i turned 18 i was already like all right i'm ready at my first match <laughs> That is hey, awesome. talking about wrestling school. <laughs> He's got his part of his wrestling costume on. Um, Wait, he has the other, his wrestling costume. On. The other part. Will you stand up on the bed so we can see your costume? Oh yeah! Usually it involves got a nice entrance jacket or cape. Yep, it usually involves underwear and his socks pulled up really high. But I was like, no, no, no not for a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. True wrestler, yeah. It is pretty much underwear you're wearing. Yes. Okay, so six and a half is too young for wrestling school, but that could be his future. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If he's into it. I mean, Matt's son is just as, it sounds just like your son. They have a huge beanbag that they'll be doing wrestling moves onto. Like, Matt will let his kid DDT him onto it or suplex him onto it. And so so it sounds like they're going down that same exact path. (laughs) Yes. My my husband was a high school wrestler, so he, he tries to incorporate some actual... Like the, I don't know the term, like the wrestling moves yeah. on top yeah, of like, yes, yeah, so on top of like Quinn's, like he wants to do like the super showy moves. So he's getting, yeah. he's getting some training on all sides there. There you go. That's great. Be well-rounded. Yes. And we're also getting him into D&D. So he could be like, you know. He's, he's going like like to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> all week he kept saying, when are you talking to the wrestler? When are you talking to the wrestler? That's great. That is, it's fun. That's awesome. Well, Greg and I thought I we were like, you know, there it just seems like such a natural connection between wrestling and D and D because so much of like yeah. it, of it is is the story and the backstory and the characters and and like exactly, how they all yeah. um, connect with each other. 
Yeah, I agree. Someone, when I was first like getting all this like steam about me doing D&D and being a wrestler, everyone was like, isn't wrestling just like the the heaviest form of LARPing that there is? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to kind of phrase it. I'm like, yeah, you yeah. go out and just, I'm going to get you with this and I'm going to dropkick you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of, yeah, that's yeah. kind of just true. <laughs> yeah, so when you, when you got into D&D, you know, so recently in the last four years, as you said, like, did you know that there was this crossover, that there was this this synergy between the two no. kind of hobbies? So uh, I was super into D&D when I was outside of uh, wrestling for that break. And then when I was coming back into wrestling, I was like, ah, what am I going to do when I come back into it? Like, you know, everyone has like a shtick or a gimmick or something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what, what am I, I'm just going to be Brandon Cutler, just a guy. And so I was like, well, maybe there's a way to like do something with this, like this is like tabletop gaming or D&D in particular, because I was like, I don't. I can't think of anyone that had like a dice that was on their tights or like on their ring jacket or something where it was like just flat out in your face, like "Hey, I like D and D." And a lot of wrestlers will do like they'll put something that they like on, or like they'll do their name in like a classic font, like "Oh, look, it's Rugrats font, but it's my name" or something. So like <laughs> everyone has like you know they've done something like that where you show something else you've liked in your past, like through your wrestling. And so I was like, no one's gone like the D&D route, really, of like, and this is before I found out about Ember Moon as well. And so, um, and so, because I, again, I was like, no one flat out has like the Dungeons and Dragons font or something, but it's changed to their name or, you know, no one's flat out said like that. And so yeah. I was like, maybe I could do like where I'll put like a, a dice on my tights or like, you know, maybe the whole like uh, polyhedral dice set on my, down my leg or something. So, and me and my wife both being into it, she started uh, making my gear when I came back. And so that was something we kind of played with was like, oh, maybe I'll kind of put that because then anyone either that'll see the dice, they'll just think it's just a bunch of shapes, which, well, who cares? It's just a dice or it's just a design on my tights or people that know it will be like, pretty sure that's like, he's got a full set of dice down his leg. And like, that's how it started at first is some of the, some of the guys would come up and be like, hey, like my sister's super into D&D. Like, is that meant to be like? dice on your leg and i'm like yeah and they're like oh my god and they come back the next week and they'd be like so i told my sister and now she's your biggest fan oh that's <laughs> so it was awesome like the kind of that where anyone that was into D saw me represent D in wrestling instantly favorite wrestler kind of a thing <laughs> so i was like okay so there's something there like that was letting me know like all right i should i should do a little bit more with it so it's a little more like you don't have to question it of like is he is he referred to D or is he like is that just shapes is he just is, is he into geometry <laughs> <laughs> he's really into polyhedral dice so, specifically but not D. And so uh, that's where we start doing yeah. a little more yeah oh, right that's awesome no, like I, I like cylinders i like cones <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm really into rods and cones yeah, uh, but then you went into making me. your uh your your costume is, is uh, your walkout costume is a representation of Tiamat. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So that was like the the furthest my wife and I stepped it up was she was so she was starting to make a lot of jackets for a lot of the other guys in AEW like the Young Bucks and SoCal and Censored and Cody Rhodes and stuff. And so uh, and I was I still was just coming out with like whatever merch T shirt I had. And so I was like, here you are, you're my wife. You're making all these guys these great entrance jackets. But I'm like. <laughs> I'm chopped liver just because I'm your husband. Like, you know, I get, you know, we're making, she's getting payments for these other guys, but I'm like, all right, we got to try and put some time aside and get me something. Uh, and she's, she had been sitting on this idea that she wants to make me this dragon jacket for like months and months. And then finally, when she got some time aside, it was two full weeks that it took to make it. 
Uh, and yeah, we have every color of the chromatic dragons on there um, to represent like every every head on Tiamat's head. And uh, once I made it, every wrestler when I, the first day I had it on was just like, oh my god, they're like, who made this? Is, is this your wife's work? And they're like, you have the best jacket in all the company now. They're like, I think in all of wrestling, they're like, this is the best jacket. And <laughs> I think in all the whole world. It's about right. I think so, but I'm biased. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, everyone was just behind it, whether they knew it had any subtle meaning or anything. It was just, it's such a spectacle to look at at that jacket that they're like, that is cool. And so it's, I was like, okay, this is, this is going off well in both just wrestling world and the DMD world. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm loving that jacket. Tiamat <laughs> would be proud. I think yeah. I'm, so I'm looking at a of picture Tiamat. of it. And so it's got like the. Yeah, like big, spiky like collar. Is that like like super shredder of like the big spiky shoulder it's pads. So cool. and yeah, the the dragon kind of. We we I got the idea from Claudio, who I think is probably in the chat. Uh, that's yeah. done some like art for D and D, and then also drew me uh, in in like a D and D fashion where there was like a dragon winged shoulder uh, pauldron. And so we kind of got like that somewhat of a, I just loved that of like, it looks like you just like took part of a dragon wing and have it as like armor. And so I was like, that's really cool. I'd love to have something like that made. And then my wife had like the entire rest of that kind of like already in mind. And then she just was like, all right, well, if we're going to do that. And I was like, it'd be cool to have like a cool big neck because I feel like I got a long neck. So as if I have a big uh, headpiece that goes like around the back of my head and like frames it. I was like, I think that would be cool, too. And so she was like, well, if I do another dragon wing kind of on the back there to make it a huge thing. And like, she's she's just a wizard with like her her crafting skills and whatnot. So she made that look. Yeah, I feel I feel like a boss every time I'm coming out and that I'm like, yeah, this is final form. Yeah, <laughs> a boss, evil you know, yeah. dragon god. Yeah, <laughs> definitely embody the essence of Tiamat in that. She's that is boss. Super uh. cool. There's also her art. She she painted this big old. <gasps> <team> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my yeah, god! Wow. Super super into Tiamat at this house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Well, did you did you play Tyranny of Dragons uh, uh, when it came out? So I'm running now. Uh, I I caught wind of it and everything um, when I was into D and D, and so I was running a game where I've I read the two, the Horde of the Dragon Queen and Tyranny of Dragons. Uh, I read both of those. And I'm, I'm running my players through like a homebrewed version of it, uh, where obviously I'd love to have the big bad B uh, team at. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a whole like my, my campaign, uh, my main home campaign, I say, is that of uh, very, very dragon heavy, all the chromatics and even metallic dragons I have too in oh, that nice. one. Yeah, just to try and get them to that eventual end. <laughs> Well, you're in good like, company there. Joe Manganello is doing something similar right now with his own yeah, kind of homebrew Tyranny that. of Dragons uh, campaign. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic, and I, you know, and then eventually you'll be able to show Tiamat off in Avernus and Hell and the Nine Hells. That's That'd be badass. Cool. That's where I, I want to do when they get closer and closer. I want to have Archon be in the the campaign as well. Oh, so nice! Just, just, yeah, that'd just be fun Easter eggs <laughs> for sure. So you're you are the dungeon master for your for all of your games, or do you uh, go pretty between? much? We it's I have a, a core group of like gaming friends and my wife that we all play, and we've started uh, probably about three different home games with like different different collections of these these same friends because mm -hmm. it's all like oh oh man these people are gonna be busy for a while. What if we just do another game with just without them and do like, like a whole different 
different uh, campaign. And so I've started like three different campaigns, but like that's the main one uh, with everyone is that one with Tiamat. And yeah, I'm always a DM in the home ones. <laughs> and so uh, like everyone, when I was getting like pretty popular with the D&D stuff, everyone's like, oh, what class do you like to play? What, what, you know, are you fighter? Do you like to go rogue? Or, and I was like, well, I'm always a DM. So I don't, I mean, I guess I could just like make an NPC any one of these, but I'm like, I don't really get to play any of those. It's always, I'm, I'm everybody else in the game. <laughs> And then uh, just recently, I've been able to be a player on some of these live stream games I've been doing. And so it's weird to just focus on one person for me, but it's also so much fun because I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. I get to be I get to be a monk for once, like uh, on one of the games, because I've been wanting to do a monk thing for a while. So are you did you take on the role of Dungeon Master because you wanted because that's kind of what you have to do when you want to play D&D sometimes. I, th I think that it was mostly that. And I think it's also, it's just, I was so into it that I just knew the most of everyone that in my group. So it was like, okay, well, who better than like, you know, Brandon, he's the one that got every, like the rest of our group into it. And like, he's been looking up lore just because he wants to look up lore. So oh, cool. like if someone else did it, I'd probably already know half of the stuff anyway. And it would kind of take away a little bit. So it'd be like, you know, if they threw this monster at us, I'd be like, oh, I already know like half of that thing's stats. But, you know, when you're presenting everyone else to this new world, my whole, my whole, you know, table group, then everything I throw at them, they're like, oh, my God, what's that? What and is it's that? that? Yeah. And that's the, one of the best things I think in D&D &D is when you throw something new at somebody and they don't know how to react. And they don't know if this is a low level thing or if it's a oh, is this the is this the boss? Like he's got skeletons at us. And it's like skeletons are kind of eh, you know but it's like hey to them it's just like oh my god they're dead how do we kill a skeleton right so it's like yeah it's you know the first time you ever experienced something like that in a game it's great to see where you know once you've been once you've been exposed and you see how many different monsters there are and then you see skeletons again you're like oh they're kind of like low level like just to be minions then like then you know but when you're playing a game and you don't know that like that's great to see how players handle it of like Oh, this was the setup to like. This was just the little fight to be for the boss, and they're handling it like it's the boss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't know. It's like playing with kids too for the first time, where you're like yeah. you're describing stuff that's really scary, but you're like, hey, that's just a a bugbear. It's not that big of a yeah. deal, but like, but to, to them, it's the you know the biggest bad they've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun taking them through that because they just see how much like I've I've gotten into it and they just trust like, okay, if he's super into it, there's gotta be something cool about it. And then I can show them in that way, like how cool D and D is not like, Oh yeah, we're all into it. We all have our own uh, dungeon master guide. We all have, you know, the monster manual. They all just have a player's handbook and that's it. And so everything I'm throwing at them is like new and fresh. And that's, the, I, I think that's one of the best ways to experience D and D is before everyone's been tainted with facing everything. <laughs> Do they have any sense. idea how, big and bad Tiamat is and how eager you are to throw I, her at them. <laughs> I think so, because... Because of all the imagery and statues that you've right, got around. Yeah, I mean, I, they, they know what my jacket is and everything, but it's also when I made that campaign, I made a little like hype video for when they were all choosing their characters, and in the hype video, it flat out says, like, is Tiamat coming to rise and everything in it? And it has like, a, a picture of her. So it's kind of like you know the overarching theme of this this campaign going into it. But, it, you know, it's just like, well, because it was going to be a very heavy dragon campaign anyway. So I was like, well, I should just put it out there that it's like, yeah, this is probably going to be the ending, the end site here. Yeah. Wait, so let's go back a second because you made a Definitely. hype video for That's, your campaign? I want to go back to that too. <laughs> That's so cool. It was like a minute, yeah. <laughs> I want to see the hype video. Can we like see the hype video? <laughs> 
It's bad. I watched it it like once after I made it and I was like, I can never show this to the public. But (laughs) because it's so like and it's just my voice over some images. I I Googled and searched to show like, oh, are you going to pick like a paladin or will you be a sorcerer? And it shows like a picture of a sorcerer. It's just my voice over like some of the stuff just to like send out to them. Because again, like, you know, they didn't know what even there there is. It's like, mm. what, what, what's a druid? Like, you know, you got to explain everything to them in the beginning. So I was like trying to get a little hype reel going to be like, ah, look at, you know, this is the town you came in. And I put little sound effects of, you know, just like some town sounds and stuff in there. Just because I was like, well, that's kind of the campaign I want to have is, you know, when we're playing, I'll have like a little speaker playing some background music or some town sounds and stuff like that. And so I was like, you know, I got to give them, I got to have them uh, experience the best they can on their first thing because then that's how you get them hooked, right? Like if you sit down and you got all these sounds and you got lighting effects and stuff, then you're going to be like, oh my God, this game is awesome. You're right, Brian. It's like, well, not, not like this, but like that's how I want my games to be. Yeah. I also, I feel like if you don't, throw dragons in a game with new players like they they act they'll be a little disappointed i mean maybe maybe not it's in the name that. of the game <laughs> yeah right they too. always do seem to come out with like well i thought there'd be dragons but yeah I mean, sometimes there That's are true. sometimes there aren't yeah. i do love that idea though i mean with so much uh video and uh editing software out there like you know we've talked a lot about uh, folks having a session zero with their with their players and just talking through the the campaign and you know whatever safety tools you're going to use and things like that and just kind of set the tone. But like, I even like the idea of having this hype video. I love lead it. up to the session right. zero yeah. and then like you know uh, get folks excited for it. I think it's genius. <laughs> that, that reminds, we did do a session zero too for everyone to pick characters and like because that that just helps when everyone's together and you're making characters because then you're not just coming into the first game like. Either oh my guy's a lot like his guy or like yeah. how do how and how would we have ever met like we are all such far away people from each other like so it is nice to have like oh I'll make, and then it helps people pick a class too I think because then they'll be like oh okay if I I could kind of piggyback on that person if they're that maybe I've known them or I've been in the same guild as them and I'm just this person in the guild and so it helps some people that aren't so confident as well like just like piggyback on someone. Yeah, so you mentioned um, earlier that you have some live stream games. You're doing some live streaming? Yeah, I've played a co- uh, one with Lady Tiefling um, that she runs on her Twitch channel. I've played as a player, and then we're, we'll be doing another one coming up, I think, tomorrow, actually. Yeah. Oh, that'll cool. Be, yeah, that'll be a fun one. So I, that's, I get to be a player now during this pandemic. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you were also on uh, uh, Droam and Defiance Wrestling uh, with the yeah. folks at Hyper RPG. Uh, I, I, I was uh, wanting them to do that show because I loved this idea of, of wrestling and D&D being, being so closely related. Uh, and then yes. as you being the bridge between those two, like, you know, uh, h- how did that go? That was so much fun to do it, and I love that. Uh, that's the term you're using too. Is the, like, yeah, the bridge. Because uh, when I've done a couple of these, I did that with Hyper RPG, and I did another thing with uh, Geek and Sundry. And when I had meetings with them, I was like, when I what I wanted to do with being a wrestler and a D and D enthusiast, I was like, I want to be kind of like the personification of like a bridge between these two things. So I was like, I always want to do stuff like that. Of like, yeah, streams or uh, like. Uh, uh, content where it is something with like yeah let's play D, but like let's make it wrestling and so 
yeah, when I saw the hype video for DNDW with uh, with Hyper RPG, I was like, oh my god! I was like, I need to be on that show, or I need to watch it, or something. I was like, that's that just sounds like so much fun. And so they instantly were like, hey, any any actual live wrestlers want to be on this? We'd love to have you. I was like, me me me, let me do it, let me do it, I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you had, you had gotten some notoriety in the in the D and D community. Uh, about a year ago, right? Was that like nine months ago? A year ago? Yeah. With uh, yeah, with was. some Twitter back and forth with your with your opponent, uh, who is uh, kind of MJF. MJF <laughs> uh, was was I don't want to say um, dork shaming, but I said it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, essentially, it's pretty much what he was doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we were set to have a match on the very first uh, TNT show, Dynamite. Uh, it was going to be me versus him, and so mm-hmm. he he took to the internet like he does and uh, just like attacks people in the in in his way. And so uh, he posted, you know, a gym selfie of him looking all swole, saying, "I I don't play Dungeons and Dragons," pretty much implying if you're in shape, you don't play Dungeons and Dragons, kind of a thing. Uh, and so I instantly, I remember I saw it uh, while I was, I was like out grocery shopping or something. Cause I remember as soon as I was like, as soon as I get home, I need to reply to this with like me in shape uh, saying, I do play Dungeons and Dragons kind of yeah. a thing of like to counterpoint it. Uh, and it just took off so much that uh, we, we were on like the front page, front page of just, of just Reddit in general that day of mm-hmm. like somebody had posted the caption of like, something about like uh, fitness gatekeeping something about gatekeeping in one of the communities and things and uh it blew up in the D world it blew up in the wrestling world too just because it's uh, you know it's also that this new show is coming on tnt it's a new wrestling league it's not just wwe anymore it's going to be going to be AEW as well on on pay-per-view or i mean on a cable tv and so like yeah. it was kind of catching a lot of like just views everywhere uh, and then, uh, you know, a lot of the big names in the D&D community, Joe Manganiello posts uh, himself on the cover of uh, Muscle and Fitness. I do play that was Dungeons one of my and Dragons favorites. too. Yeah, Matt Mercer jumped in on it and had some fun. Uh, like, Sadly, I did not do that with, with I know. Body. Tito, where, where's your selfie? You should have been up there too. <laughs> right, right. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's like me holding a plate of pasta. I'm like, I do. It's me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it definitely struck a nerve, and I—that was like my first introduction to all of that. I think what might have been missed, and maybe you can give us some insight on this, was that he was uh, uh, playing a part, you know, kind of, you know, getting the yeah. the, the the guff up a little <laughs> bit on purpose because of the heel face thing. I don't think everybody kind of got that right away, which is yeah. which is good because that is why I think people responded in the way they did. But how much of that was was preplanned or or known that the, he was going to do this this kind of taunting? Um, yeah, so I mean, in wrestling, especially nowadays, it's always the like, oh, you know, you gotta kind of try and keep it real, kind of a thing. And so that was we that that was all just winged, and I I responded to it like he he didn't hit me up or hit, say anything like, hey, I'm thinking about posting this. He posted it, and like it's kind of in wrestling, like I took his like hint of like ah, it's because he's facing me at that thing. Yeah. Why else would he be talking about Dungeons and Dragons? It's to get what we call is like heat in wrestling of like, you want to get people to backlash at you and hate you. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, now is my time to queue up as like the good guy in this to, you know, to reply to that kind of a thing. Like, like, you know, he didn't tag me or he didn't tag anybody in it. He just posted that out there kind of a thing. Uh, And so it's kind of like that of like, Oh yeah, you want to generate a little buzz on the internet. And like, uh, so that's kind of what it was meant and implied for. And it, it worked, but yeah, I think a lot of people saw it as like, uh, like this normal, because I mean, out of context, you just see a, a you know a, a jacked guy in a, a gym saying that, 
And, you know, if you don't know his background, you don't know he's a wrestler, you don't know he's coming into this feud with a Dungeons and Dragons enthusiast, then you just you just see that for what it is of buff guy, caption says, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. You think, oh, you, you, know, you get triggered and you go off. Yeah, you go off. And then, you know, some people I saw were trying to explain in the comments of like, this is a wrestling feud, guys. This isn't real life. Like, this guy is a character, and, you know, this is what he's trying to do and stuff. Wait, he's, I thought he's it was wrestling real. a guy. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he's wrestling a guy that's into Dungeons and Dragons. So it's like, you know, if he posted, like, I don't play Overwatch or something, it'd be like, no, he's going against a guy that's super into Overwatch or, you know, whatever it might have been. It was, yeah. That's that's what it struck is because, yeah, again, he, was, he didn't tag me in it to say, like, you know, to put it too on the nose of, like, because I'm feuding with you, Brandon. It was... He posted that and I got the hint to be like, okay, let me respond to it. And like you saw, it did blow up because it did have that, like that trigger sense to it. <laughs> but I mean, in some ways it's good that it, it gets some views. And then in some that I'm like, oh man, some people are taking this really harshly right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I'm sure it netted you a lot of new fans from the D&D world, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it did. And still the D&D world, he gets tagged in so much D&D stuff, too, because of that. It totally backfired on yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, again, which something I honestly do want to do is everyone wants him to be uh, seen playing D&D now. I was and just so going like, to ask, I, can we get him into a game you think yeah, he ever would? I'm like, ah. I think I could probably convince them in, in a little bit, but yeah, that's something I would definitely want to do because I think that would be very entertaining is play someone who'd like begrudgingly doesn't want to play D and D yeah. and like force them to play D and D as like as a humorous thing, not like to like you know take it to uh, like oh they're forcing them. It's, it's more like no, this is supposed <laughs> to be fun and him. entertaining and yeah. <laughs> you don't want to put him in I a full Nelson and be like, that. no, you're gonna roll that die, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give him a loaded die it's just always one <laughs> oh that's that's the real revenge right there be like yeah. get him excited about it but all of his roles fail oh man that'd be that so good I love the concept of heat though I don't think I've ever really heard that explained before um, and it reminds me of yeah. like you know Grand Theft Auto and those games where you would get the heat level of, of uh, the yeah, authorities coming yep. after you um but I yeah, wonder if there's some way. That. I wonder if there's some way we can translate that into uh, into D and D mechanics or something like that, so that when you know you're 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 coming to a new town and you're getting good heat by uh, uh, you know doing these quests or doing these these, these activities. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah the heat it's, can it's be good and heat can be bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's definitely like a performer thing of like getting heat is like if you're trying to get like, you know, you're you're trying to become like the bad guy and get like a a boo. And then like, you know, it could also be like you're you're getting uh, you're building up heat or steam if you're if the crowd is just like on fire and they want to see the good guy eventually do something kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it would be almost kind of like getting inspiration, but but different. I like the idea of like the party generating heat in kind of like yeah. a good or a bad way. And it's it especially works if your party is all evil people too. Yeah. <laughs> so when you wrestle, are you ever the bad guy? Um, no. So with, in wrestling, it's everyone's kind of along in the storyline. Is it's you know you're you're a good guy until you've done something where you think where you, you do something so despicable that like they call it a like you know you, you turn heel or something where you you switch to now you're you're a bad guy in the show uh, or, or vice Hogan. versa where yeah or where you're a bad guy and you do something that's like noble and good all of a sudden and then now you've turned into like a baby face where you're now the good guy kind of a thing. So it's very much a 
like Game of Thrones did that with a lot of their characters. Like, uh, like uh, Jamie Lannister was in the beginning. He was a bad guy. He was he was getting heat and all that. Uh, and then like he does a, a couple of cool noble things and starts becoming like a crowd favorite and starts becoming like everyone loves him in the story now. Uh, and so it was like, oh, okay, he, he kind of turned a little more good guy. And so every like Game of Thrones is actually like they have a lot of those where people turn bad and good, and there's a lot of gray areas in there. Mm-hmm. But that's a show that just comes straight to mind when, uh, yeah, you could turn good and bad in a thing. But like wrestling, it, I wonder if that's something people could do as is again. I'm keep bringing this back to like yeah, D and D, but like <laughs> They're no one really yeah. gets to do that. Oh well, yeah, like alignment is a perfect thing, like a, a paladin turning into a, a blackguard and things like that. Yeah. That's how I kind of even think of how everyone's like, oh, you're a good guy, but you have a team at Jacket. So it's like, that's why you keep losing matches is your alignment isn't set up right. And like, <laughs> kind of true either. I should get a Bahama jacket or I should, maybe I should go bad guy. <laughs> maybe it's like, it's a sign of like, or a foreshadowing of what's to come for your storyline. I don't know. You've I been mean, evil this whole time. There is something I want to do. Uh, we do this series on YouTube called Being the Elite. And it's uh, it's kind of a thing that it was going on and why, why AEW is even a thing is because of this show we, we put out every week on YouTube for free. Uh, where we, it's also where we just do like extra character building for all the the people in wrestling. And so, yeah. uh, an idea I had when my wife made this jacket was, I was like, I wonder if this could be like, uh, like in D and D of many objects you might give to your players of like, I wonder if this thing could start talking to me and like, you know, <gasps> maybe guiding me in certain ways or something. So like, I'm like, that's an idea I've been sitting on ever since I've made the jacket. But I'm like, what if this thing starts like you know, somewhat controlling me or something. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you got the skin oh, of an evil goddess on you. Right? It's going to have some effect. Yeah, so I'm like, maybe there might be something kind of I'll, I'll do on that show on BTE with it. I but. mean, you could you could call upon Tiamat to help you. That's and true, that too. She may or may not ask for something in return. Yeah, that's I good. Yeah. So you now I'm thinking, okay. Okay, here's another idea for a show for you. This is a pitch meeting. Like we I think you can work we can work together on this. Tips for wrestlers to build characters and storylines using things from D D. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean just like And that. vice versa yeah. though. And then in tips for building story and characters in D D from wrestlers. Oh yeah, there's a lot that that could cross over like how we've been saying um you, just like that I've made a, a jacket that isn't anywhere in D&D we made, but then like it's something that could honestly belong in D&D, like, you know, yeah. the jacket of Tiamat where it grants you what maybe I don't know, a breath weapon of like all five of the different heads or something. I've thought of that a lot of like how I can incorporate my jacket into the kind of D&D or something. Right. But it, it's if you could even take like you can look through uh, the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and look at items and be like, ooh, I wonder if I can do something like that in wrestling or uh, kind of make a character based around that I- ideology or that that per- like that's kind of essentially what I think uh, when I see Ember Moon is like she's a live D and D character in the wrestling world like yeah uh, like I'm more of like I'm a guy that likes D and D and like I feel like she's a D and D character <laughs> like when right. she's, she's got like out, this kind fire of sorcerer kind of thing exactly exactly yes friends I see in that um, but I'm like yeah. yeah. You could easily do that or any character going the vice versa route of you can like you can make Darby Allen if that's your guy from AEW if you love him you can make him in D D easily and make him like a warlock or something like that. Uh, uh, when I did that Geek and Sundry thing, I kind of thought that through of a couple of people who would who would they what would they be like? Jimmy Havoc is a very 
like dark kind of a person. So I made him a warlock and I was like, oh man, like he, because he just loves like bringing pain to beat people is like his whole shtick. So I was like, oh yeah, that, that kind of like screams a warlock of, of some kind. And like, you know, yeah, you could, you could definitely flesh a lot of these characters out. I saw some people did like Chris Jericho. Somebody made a whole stat sheet for him uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little while ago. Um, and he, or like they made him a stat sheet where he could be, uh, if you're a, um, a warlock, you could be your patron kind of a thing and he can be your own patron. <laughs> yeah. He can, he can grant you some boons and stuff. If you, if you praise Jericho, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then you can go back to class, you know, Andre, the giant, you can just basically use his giant stats, uh, and then you're done. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, definitely. And then they have like the folk hero background, which is, I mean, you could, you could tweak that very slightly and boom, you got like a, you're pretty much a wrestler instead of just like a folk hero. Oh yeah. He's known around for wrestling kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's why I love that concept of, 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 uh, a D and, you know, uh, a wrestling uh, thing happening within the D and D setting, you know, because it's yeah. all of the the tools are there. Yeah, and everyone has like the classic, like, oh, maybe there's an underground fighting pit, so we could get into fights with like people and like you know still get to fight and not always have to be against monsters and stuff. But it's like that could always be yeah. a route too. It's like there's an underground wrestling league you guys got to go to, and like now you got to try and like still fight people but not hurt them like how we were doing on dndw where it's like oh if you mess up you legitimately hurt your 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 partner in the match kind of a thing so it's like you could challenge your players yeah. to that of like do you guys want to try and be wrestlers and make money you know while you're in town or because then there could be ramifications there if you legitimately hurt someone in this uh wrestling league then like oh maybe they were part of like a legitimate gang or something and now they want to they got a bounty on you or something <laughs> Right, or there's some like uh, chaotic neutral promoter character who's like trapping people and being like, "All right, now you must, you know, uh, perform in this specific way without hurting each other." That's true. Uh, but then they, you know, the, the characters have to bust their way out or something like that at the end of the uh, yeah. session. You can do tons of fun that, one shots like that. That's true too. Yeah, somehow strip them of all their weapons and stuff and leave it where yeah. it's just punches and yeah. There's a lot of fun fun ways to kind of make it like a bottle session. <laughs> So, uh, so I, I hear you've got a bunch of minis. Uh, your collection is is expanding, <laughs> uh, and then your yeah, and your wife has been painting them. <laughs> How many do you think you have? Oh, I I don't even I can't even put a number on that. That's a lot. Oh my uh, god! Because we've we've backed uh, the Reaper Kickstarters the last like two or three, uh, and we've gotten multiple set. Like we did the core set like wow. three or four times on the last one, just because we're like. Oh, I'd love to have two of that dragon. I'd love to have one of those. Um, and so, like, I could kind of even show you in the back under here is uh, just oh. bins of all minis. Yep. Uh, nice. Here's assorted uh, minis that are uh, just free out of their boxes. Uh, in this <laughs> shelf here is even more. Down in those two bins are what Reaper just kind of sent me some more dragons and things. Uh, and then there's just some kind of throughout the house that my wife has painted that like we just like, like she's done a couple dragons that look so cool that it's just kind of like art around the house now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. And that team app that I showed you earlier, she's painted. Uh, yeah, yep. She's got t- tons of stuff. And then I have a whole nother one of those rollers, one of those rollers uh, full of Dwarven Forge. <laughs> so oh, nice. I'm going kind of nuts on a little bit of everything. <laughs> You so and your, your games <laughs> yeah. that you play are all in person? Uh, yeah, all with, with well, my not group. Now, but... 
Yeah, the, these last couple of days I've been chatting with my group about like, I wonder if there's a way we could play like, you know, because I, I love having like actual terrain or like the even yeah. the erasable mat. Uh, I just I, that's the first ways we played. So like, I've just loved it. And uh, like, I love doing some streams with everybody. But like for my home game, I love having like physical things. And so just last yeah. night, I came upon the thing called like that Vorpal board, where it's a you can kind of it's a way to play online with people. Um yeah, and still have like if I set up a Dwarven Forge little scenario, you can can't point your camera at it, and they all get feed of that. And so you could still very much do a, a a fight with physical objects. It's just they would all be telling you like, "Oh, move my guy here" or something. So I was like, "That's kind of cool. I might, oh, yeah. might try on that." Yeah, I've been definitely uh, trying to. Exp- I mean, you need to kind of set up your cameras in the right way so that you can you can kind of you know share that, but. I've been thinking about doing that for board games as well as for D and D to kind of yeah. still get that tactile, you know, tactical information that you need uh, when you're doing that stuff. But then, yeah. of course, there's still you know, just do a theater of the mind style. You can still always just do it through through conversation. Exactly. Yeah, I just love that the physical. Like, I I, I hate rolling like dice on on the computer where you just click and it rolls. It. I'm like, no, nah, I want to physically roll yeah, dice. I have, I I have too, too many as well, so I need to get use out of these dice. So. <laughs> But just something about like physically rolling it too that I love that about D and D. There's just dice is also an addicting part of D and D is is rolling it and collecting them. And <laughs> I agree. I I like to collect them myself. Yeah. Yeah, but then I only end up using like the same five. But I have <laughs> hundreds of them. But I'm just like, nope. These are my babies. I've been, my lucky five. I've been using a bunch like based on the character of like if the character's dressed in a certain color, I'll I'll have a dice that's like that or like if they're scared, like if oh, I'm using an ogre and like they got green skin I'll be like oh, okay I'll, I'll use green dice or something on that or big boss I use metal dice that's just something I've kind of enjoyed doing myself of like ooh it's a boss that needs a heavy dice <laughs> so <laughs> the are with you the heavy dice is always that they they make little pock marks onto anything you roll it upon uh, oh, so yeah, yeah you gotta, gotta have a dice careful. tray for those gotta have a dice a tray a nice padded yeah. dice tray yeah. So are you and and Denise playing any games while you're stuck in quarantine or I mean I guess you could play if you have the essentials kit you can do some one-on-one true. D&D. We haven't been doing much D&D. I, I got to do a couple of live streams but being that we have two kids like we've even all of our home campaigns I'm like, well, we could continue it if I just play cuz I'm like I don't know how we would get our kids to, you know, D&D is like 3 hours so I'm like they're not they don't watch like they don't watch a half hour of a movie, you know. How old are you, kids? Uh, two and oh, four. Mine would. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's I kind of those, those dark times. <laughs> yeah, we've realized yeah. that of like trying to play online, it's going to be they're going to be going crazy. So it's really only one of us can play, and the other would have to watch them. So yeah, we've been trying to kind of separate and do that. But I mean, we've been just deep diving Animal Crossing <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my kids are are six and eight now, so they're just at that point where they still. I mean, they still have the intention span problem, especially my my, my younger daughter. Uh, so it's it's all about trying having bite sized kind of things. Like, all right, we're gonna play for you know half hour or forty five minutes, and yeah. pick it up again the next day and things like that. Or with our kids, it's it's we they won't leave us alone for more than a, like 
two yeah. minutes. So it's more of like if we were playing, they'd be running in. Like she's watching them right now. Otherwise, they'd be running in behind me on on these. And then they start <laughs> like at that kids. age. They're moving the miniatures. <laughs> they're putting them in their mouths. They're yeah. breaking them. My four year old, like, she's good with that. So we let her play with them, but we only let her play with them away from brother, who's two years yes. old. So he'd be doing that. So we, yeah. we say that if he's too young, don't let him have dice. But she she'll just sit there and she'll play around with the dice. And I just bought her a little ducky dice uh, that I saw on the internet. So I was like, oh, oh gotta get to yeah. There's a bunch of cute stuff, so I'm like, oh, I'll get her hooked on, on it early as well, you know? Start her dice hoard. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Like a little like, baby dragon. Yep. Sounds like like mother, like daughter there, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, your wife's name is Denise. Yeah. I feel like she's the unsung hero of this uh, of this whole thing. So let's let's sing her praises a little bit by, uh, Definitely. by Thank you, Denise. making that jacket, by painting the miniatures. I just think that's so cool that you guys uh, she's, and, yeah. and watching the kids, so you can do and watching podcast. the kids. Yeah. While you're talking about us. <laughs> she she makes my gear. She makes a lot of the guys' gear in the company. She's done my art. She's done. This is my latest shirt for oh, AEW. Nice. So she's she's the artist oh, here. Nice. Where she put a little custom dragon for me. Yeah, she's done a, she I does, love that. Yeah, she's. Let me show you. I got a pair of my gear here where she's the one that did the whole uh, the, the dice Ow. down the leg. Yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's I, done a lot. I can't even <laughs> imagine how that something like that gets made. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, right? Not like, <laughs> where do you start? I don't even know. You go to the crafting nice. table and then you just pick the thing and then it gets made, right? Right. Yeah, yes, like Animal that. Crossing. You roll a die. <laughs> <laughs> craft more yes yeah that is amazing she's awesome with everything she does and and it's great that like that how we're both into everything like she's into wrestling with me she's into me like so we only just push each other further into these fandoms of like you know she's like hell i i make gear or i can make like your gear if you get back into wrestling i get back into it and you know we're putting dice on my gear and you know, I'm getting a, a shirt design and she's like, oh, I could draw your dragon. So she does it and, we, you know, we we submit it to everybody and they're like, why isn't she doing more designs for our team? It's like, well, she's she's also doing gear for like five of the guys. So I <laughs> <So like, laughs> put her in so many different areas before her time is completely filled up. <laughs> right. And she's a mom and, you know, yeah. takes up a little bit. On top a of little that, bit yeah. <laughs> And has to paint the minis. <laughs> and yep. has to paint the yep, minis. Yep. Yeah, awesome. and it's hard too because there's sometimes where I've had just white minis on the board because it's like, oh, they're going that route, and we don't got those minis painted. But oh well, like it's still fun. And you know, like I did a huge skeleton mini once uh, as a big baddie for the session, and he was just pure white. But it was like, yeah, who cares? Like it's still fun. They still get the visual of it. There's something creepy about that too. I know. I was going to say. I yeah. feel like that's kind of a cool story hook too. Why has all his color drained? <laughs> that's true. It's like binicula. Draining <laughs> the juice from the carrots. Uh, best sign-off <laughs> reference there ever. Anybody remember Vernicula? Uh, anyhow, it's been really great talking to you and picking your brain. I feel like we could uh, uh, continue to talk for, for hours and hours. Uh, and so we should definitely yeah. have you on. And I'd love to talk to Denise as well and find out how she does all the, the stuff that she does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she does a lot. <laughs> um, so w- during this time... Uh, uh, AEW, I guess, is not performing, right? Uh, well, we're we're trying to still have somewhat of new content, even in like quarantine. It's just like a ring and like the two guys. So like every Wednesday, we're still trying to pump out new content, even any regulations or rules that are still getting put out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they even still just recorded a bunch of extra matches the other day because uh, things are just getting tighter and tighter. So there still might be new content every Wednesday on TNT. Otherwise, uh, we do a YouTube show where uh, everyone can just film bits on their, their phone and we just put it all together and put it on YouTube. Uh, and that's just free on YouTube called Being the Elite. Um, you can catch me on both of those or and any kind of D&D streams I'll be randomly doing during this quarantine, too. I'll be trying to get as much of that in as I can. <laughs> Sweet. So, yeah, I will follow you on uh, on Twitter. Is that the best place to kind of find out about those? Yeah, definitely. And uh, that's just Brand Cutler, B-R-A-N Cutler. Uh, I'm that on all across everything on Instagram, that, emails, everything. Awesome. Well, uh, hopefully you got a whole bunch of uh, people from the D&D community now following you if they haven't been already. And uh, now we got to get more wrestling folks into playing some D&D. And uh, yeah. to be that bridge. We share your mission. Yeah. Let's do that. Which I, I get that every now and then. Some people hit me up on Twitter with like, "Hey, I just bought like the starter kit, or I just bought my first D and D book. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna start today." And like, I get a lot of those first time stories, and that's I'm like, mission is being accomplished. Like, this is what yes. I want is more so that of bringing wrestling people over to D and D because I'm like, everyone's into wrestling. Everyone knows like you know a Macho Man or something. But I'm like, not everyone knows TMAT. Which that needs to change. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you are doing your part in increasing D and D's heat. So I appreciate it. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Very nice. Nice callback, awesome. Greg. Thank you yeah. so much, Brandon. You're the best. Thank, uh, you, thank you, Brandon. Love to talk to you again soon. Awesome. For sure. Thank you so much. That was one of the best interviews I have ever had with a professional wrestler. I'm so. Excited about that. I, I have so much good information for Quinn now. Yeah, we should be able to learn him up good. Uh, I think Ember Moon did a fantastic job of, uh, of, of inspiring him, and now uh, Brandon took it to the next level, and now This is happening. Are, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, based on all of our research, uh, that we are going to be able to have a lot more professional wrestlers in the future. I, if Brandon has his way... <laughs> He's certainly helping with that quest. But yes, I think that we should have all the professional wrestlers. And we should be making that Venn diagram of professional wrestling fans and D&D players just become a full yep. circle. Exactly. Just a, a total eclipse. A perfect circle. We got to get, uh, uh, you know, Maynard on this too. Uh, so that is our show for today. We are going to sign off by saying... We appreciate everyone who listens to Dragon Talk during we this really time. Do. It is uh, extremely important to keep up uh, institutions going, and, and uh, <laughs> I won't. I don't want to say Dragon Talk is one of those important institutions, but it is been a big focal point for us at Dungeons and Dragons to keep going with uh, with this content and uh, you know keeping some normalcy going. It's important to me. It is. I'll important tell you to that. Too. Yeah. It is. It is what I look forward to. You and I lifting each other up uh, is, oh. uh, I feel it. I feel it in my, in, in my soul. So. Yeah, it's, it's actually going to be weird when we do this in the studio again. <laughs> right? Maybe we just do this at all times now. We're just, just working just at from our home. Desks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make it happen. As long as there's a guitar in the background, I think we'll be okay. Noticed that. I wish you could like strum us a little. Maybe like while you do the, the adventure. Uh, yeah, you could like bard it up. Back I'll there. be uh, Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. 
<laughs> laughing back and forth with the other had to say. That's exactly. Yeah. That's, when I yes. think of a, a, a guitar like that, I immediately think of that Rooster Bard guy from, from that movie. Uh, he's, he's my fave. Um, but I do want to say thank you to you, Shelly. Uh, you have made my anxiety levels go down just by chatting, so that's oh, great. Oh, I'm so glad. We can do that anytime. Yeah. Uh, But we're going to save it only for Dragon Talk recordings. So you're just going to get peak anxiety. (laughs) And then it ends up being perfect. And then around 2 o'clock on Fridays, you start to feel better. Yeah. I'm I'm here for this. Uh, I want to give a thank you to uh, Pelham Green and Ryan Marth and Sean Mayofsky for helping out on the audio and the visuals for Dragon Talk. As always, you do good stuff, uh, as Great well as Lisa stuff. Carr helping out with producing and getting all of our guests on board. Thank you. Uh, thank you again to everybody who listens and spreads the word about Dragon Talk on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, let more folks know about this fantastic resource for introducing people to uh, D&D and the D&D community. You are amazing folk. Thank you You are. So... To end our dragon talk today, okay, okay. Uh, we are going to continue our ongoing storyline of uh, Drunky Two Shoes, Shelley's Tabaxi uh, Ranger, right? I'm, I think technically she was a sorcerer, and when she was with Daryl, but sorcerer in search of. Uh, in, in recent sessions, she got an image of her brother, her litter mate, uh, Daryl <laughs> Two Shoes. Uh, and you uh, decided to, uh, you was in the forest, you had a vision, uh, and then what, what, what's happening now? What's, your, what's, your, what, what's going on? She uh, had a vision of her, her brother being, like, in a, it looked like the back, like, perhaps he was on a ship. Yes. And um, she gets the, an essence of sardine oil and feels like he's in danger, like somebody has captured him. For entertainment purposes. And then you started running and you jumped over. And then over. she ran. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, so you've been running for, uh, here, I'll roll the die. You've been running for about uh, three hours. It feels like this, pa- this, this um, path through the woods, uh, you, know, you just had this sense that you were going to end up uh, somewhere. Um, and you see, uh, as it kind of turns a corner and the trees start to uh, thin out uh, into a meadow um, and you see in the distance maybe the hint of of water um, but before there that dis- uh, in the road is a cloaked figure standing there almost looking like it is waiting for you whoa what do you do uh, I stop and try to get a sense of this person is this person dangerous is this person going helpful does this person look like they recognize me? Um, it, it's kind of hard to tell because it is uh, just cloaked. It's a humanoid figure about, you know, six feet tall, nothing uh, too strange, nothing, you know. Uh, Can, uh, so do, do you want to make a perception sense? check? Yeah, I do. See if my okay. cat senses are picking up anything. Ooh, you rolled a 19 on Heck the die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you are able to get a glimpse as uh, it, it was unmoving until you kind of stopped to regard it. Um, but it did shift its weight a little bit and the cloak opened up and you saw a glint of metal uh, kind like of reflecting off the sunlight. You're not sure from this distance. You're about, you're about 200 feet away. 
And that's where we'll pick it up next time on Dragon Talk. Oh, man. Oh, man. A glint of metal. Yes. Who knows what Drunky Two Shoes will encounter next. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Oh, wait. Are you still there? I'm still here. Where can people find you if they want to tell you all these cool things that they're doing with D&D? I'm at Greg Tito. And I'm at Shelly Moon. Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, bye. Bye.